All right, welcome to the Biz and Tech Podcast. At Aegis Business Technologies, we are your IT support guru in North Florida. If you need help with your computers, if you haven't upgraded to Windows 10, give me a call. First, let's start with our joke. So, how does a computer get drunk? Any guesses? I have none. Uh, it takes screenshots. <laughs> All right, I, I'm the king of the dad jokes, and that that was very good. It's up there. It's not bad. I, I'd like to say I'm I'm impressed with myself. So, thank you for laughing. You're welcome. Uh, that, today... that was so stupid, but that's good. <laughs> today we welcome Greg Tish to the show. Uh, we're here to talk about Tallahassee, our community, commonality, what we're up to, and let's start with an introduction. From Greg. Welcome, Greg. Thank you, Blake. Uh, hey, I'm Greg Tish. I host Real Mornings here on Real Talk 93.3 every Monday to Friday, 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. Uh, lifelong resident, uh, lover of this city. I like to uh, learn more and more as, as I grow older about the stories about the city, what makes us great, where we've come from, and just I'm very happy to be here. You came awesome. on my show. Now I get to be on your show. I'm pretty I think excited. You said uh, home and home in our pre-production mm-hmm. chat. That's exactly what we're having here. Greg had me as a guest on his uh, former Hot Wing segment, and um, it didn't translate to the to the airwaves as Greg and I were talking about it a minute ago. Because literally, I was dying while eating these hot wings and engaging in some uh, sports talk and some tech talk. It was a lot of fun, though. I enjoyed it. Oh, thank you. We'll have to have you on again without the the hot wings, where you can actually talk during the interview, because that usually makes for a better interview. I felt only slightly punished. <laughs> or we could only go, slightly. Or we could just come back here, bring wings back next time, and then we'll just do we'll do hot takes here. Hot takes. It's a great yeah. name. Thanks. Uh, first question. Mm-hmm. So when I lived in Atlanta, I knew some radio personalities. Uh, Southside Steve, who's still in the game up there, and he used to tell me he would get up at four thirty to begin his, you know, to be on. You're not just going on, you know, walking into your job at six where you have an hour to drink coffee. So what's your routine? What do you do, man, on a daily basis? Uh, every night we have to do our prep work. Both my producer slash co-host and I, we have to come up with 10 stories that we email to each other that night. So he can study the 10 stories I have. I have the 10 stories or more that he sends in. So we look them over. Uh, wake up at 4.15 in the morning. Try to, to your, get to, to your 4 a.m. or Yes, which has been pretty difficult because my previous – career was you know dj and i was out till you know two o'clock three o'clock in the morning all the time and then would get up at eight and then go do my uh eight to four job and then i did that for 20 years so now waking up every day at 4 15 i've gotten used to it right but it, it took some getting used to so and a lot of people probably don't put that together that's why i brought it up today so thank you for sharing that yeah we uh we get in the studio about five get uh, all the segments planned out and whether we need to juggle them around, we'll have some floating segments that we can insert if we have a little more time to, to speak about something. Go on the air at six, and it's three really fast hours. It goes by quick. Mm-hmm. And as you saw when you came in and with doing this, that time just flies by. And I constantly tell the guests, I was like, look, uh, you're just talking to me, but it's going to seem like I say hello and goodbye like that. Yeah, it did and, fly by. Yeah. You know, we did. 30 minutes, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, it flew by. Uh, the, it's on 93.3, and it's a great show. You can check it out streaming on Facebook, which I really enjoyed, oh, especially uh, Dana Brooks and Terry Madigan getting into it. Uh, I won't uh, 
give any spoilers away, but uh, it's a lively program. That's what we like. We've, we've got a lot of great local guests. Michelle Ray Winkle Vasilinda comes in, yeah. and especially this time of year with her experience that she's had downtown with Session, that we have her talk a little about, you know, give that inside look about what's going on. We've got a U.S. representative, uh, Michael Waltz, that comes on every other week. Uh, he gave some fantastic insight to the State of the Union. And I didn't ask about the State of the Union. Mm-hmm. I want to know what his day was like because the State of the Union was happening. And it was something that was just fascinating to me. And he's like, just cameras everywhere, constant interviews. It was, it's kind of the Congress's Super Bowl. Yeah, absolutely. And we've got, yeah, Terry Madigan comes on. John Reed comes on weekly. Uh, Steve Stewart from Tallahassee Reports. We've got a great plethora of guests from all different angles of Tallahassee coming in. And we truly love doing what we do because we're hyper local. Mm-hmm. That we rarely, well, we do talk national, but it, I like to rarely talk national. Sure. Because there's so much going on here. Yeah. And this week, I mean, uh, you talk about the State of the Union. I was mm-hmm. actually downtown meeting with the Secretary of State this week, uh, Laurel Moore. Yeah. And we saw were, your pictures. Nice. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, Laurel and I have known each other a long time. She's uh, a gator also, isn't she's she? She's a gator. Mm-hmm. Gators in government. We got a hashtag for that. But uh, her job overseeing cybersecurity for the entire state in regards to our elections is just massive. And um, the state of Florida, obviously, you know, mm-hmm. whether it's college football or um, politics, Texas, California, Florida, that's where all the action's at. Right. So uh, you've got your finger on the pulse, obviously, in radio. Now let's talk about radio. So you mentioned DJ, mm-hmm. because when I first met you, when I rolled into Tallahassee 14 years ago, I would see you at the Chef Sampler. I would see you at the Chamber Conference. I would see you just about anywhere. If I walked outside of my house, I would see you at some sort of event. Well, that I, so, you'd put that injunction against me on that. So right. I'd, I'd stop hanging outside of your house. Hey, bro. What's up? Let's have a beer. Anyway, just kidding on that front. But Greg was always everywhere. Mm-hmm. And uh, to be that much out in the community, uh, was that monetary driven by your DJing or were you just, do you, are you that guy that wants to be out there out and about every day? Yes. Does that make sense? Um, check that, all the boxes. Yeah. All check the all the boxes. Anything. Well, if there was any, any time during my DJ career that there was anything charity involved, I never charged them. Uh, it was just, it was something that I felt that we needed to do. And, and like chef sampler that was pro bono. That's probably, yeah, I That's think awesome, so. Man. Yeah. I mean, cause I think I was emceeing that one year and okay. that was, well, that was 2010. Because that was uh, the first year that um, Jimbo was named the head coach. Okay. It's funny how we can relate our lives to college football events. (laughs) That was the year we won the national championship. That was the year we had four wins. Yeah. I I do the same thing. Yeah. Monetary, not as much. Uh, The Chamber, that was a fantastic event uh, when Capital City Bank sponsored the after party. Right. They would bring me over, and I would work for three hours that weekend. Okay. But I would be able to attend all the events. And I think one time the city hired me also to run a Tallahassee City trivia at one of the uh, breakout sessions. And that was a lot of fun. I, and I'm, I miss going back. So if anybody needs to hire a trivia guy for next year's chamber, I, I'm, I'm pretty, pretty good. Shameless, I've been watching a lot of Kirby Enthusiasm. Yes. And I've been watching it too. Yeah, so. he's, he's on a roll this year. Yeah. The, uh, the hat scene, classic. Watch Larry David. He's on fire. Love that show. So uh, radio, how'd you get into it? What, what went on? I wanted to – I've been in love with music – and for as as long as I can remember, and uh, I'd wanted to be a radio DJ for as long as I could remember. And so when I was probably 23, I got a job at a former oldie station in town. 
and they put me on overnight shifts. And I found out that it wasn't really for me at the time. And mobile DJing. Was oldies or overnight shifts? Oldies, <laughs> overnight shift. No, I love the oldies because uh, right. back this was – I'm going to date myself. This is 93. So there was no internet hooked up in the studio. They just had books, Billboard, Year in Music, 1955, 56, 57, go with all the oldies, their format. So I'd go through the books. We're talking oldies, oldies. Yeah, yeah. Not classic. No, because now oldies is 80s. But I'm thinking was, Brian Adams oldies. No, no, thinking, no, no. You're this saying B.B. King. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I so you. I would go through these Billboard books, and I was like, just find out what was number one in September of 59. You know, just go through and say, oh, I've never heard that song. So I'd put the CD in and listen. It was CDs. It wasn't vinyl. And then I found out quickly that really wasn't for me because this new mobile DJing had started really kicking in right. around Tallahassee. And, and I got a job with a friend of mine. He trained me. And all of a sudden, I was out every weekend doing that. And then I grew as much as I could with his company. And then I said, I'm going to go out on my own and started GT Entertainment. And it was just the next 25 years was just insane. Nice. Yeah. So All right. Just, well, shifting gears a little bit. Mm -hmm. You're a big sports fan. I'm a big sports fan. After a drought in Gainesville uh, during the McIlwain era, we are now enjoying top 10 finishes, top 10 recruiting classes. How's that feel? It feels good. Yeah. It feels good to be back again. And uh, y'all will get there, too. It's all cyclical. New coach seems pretty fired up. Pretty happy about him. But you said something on air on 93.3 recently that – I couldn't quite process. You mm -hmm. said you used to be a UF fan, but are now an FSU fan. You don't hear that evolution very often. Uh, how'd that go down? Seventh grade, Ben Hill Griffith Stadium. One in just Florida Field. Jeez, one Ben Hill Griffith Stadium. Um, 1982, University of Southern California came into town wow. to play. This is a year after Marcus Allen won the Heisman Trophy. I was with my good friend David Roberts and his family, and we got parked a little late. And I hear over the loudspeakers, here, and my friend's like, we got to go, we got to go. So we start hauling butt into the stadium, and we were in the now huge end zone, which wasn't, uh, yeah. didn't have two tiers at the time. So we get in at the top, and you walk down to the seats, which I thought was unbelievable at the time, because I was used to Doe Campbell. You yeah. always walk up to your seats, but yeah. at Gainesville, you walk down. And so he's yelling, here come the Gators, the traditional uh, entrance. And they, at the time, had the 30-foot alligator, mechanical alligator from the movie Gator that led the team out in the field, blowing smoke out of its, out of its uh, nostrils. See, that's before my time. I started in 92, and so this that's was, awesome. And this was bright green AstroTurf, bright orange helmets running onto the field with the maroon and gold of USC, their fans cheering. And it was, it was something I'd never seen before. And granted, I'd gone through games at Doak where, you know, FSU had gone undefeated. But to see this was just – I was just taken. And then David was one of these kids I looked up to. I was like, he's, he's like the cool kid. Right. So I started seeing if I could go back to games with them, started collecting Florida stuff. Then they win the SEC for the first time a couple of years later. Is that 84? And, yeah, 84. Yeah. And then I was hooked. But then um, just went down there to go move and to go to school down there. And just wasn't for me. And, I, and so I stayed here, and, and somebody said, why don't you just switch back? And I was like, okay. So from 7th grade to 12th grade, Gator, and then switch back to FSU. And what was the grief level from your friends during that time? Was it minimal? Or was it like, what? Yeah, it was what. It, <laughs> yeah, a lot of people were very confused. Parents, very confused. Uh, sister, you know, didn't speak with me for all those years. Kidding. But, yeah, it was, but I enjoyed it. I mean, I still have all the collectibles 
that that I have from back then. I've, I've given some away to some of my dear Gator friends. I I got hey, some really cool stuff, man. Send me some pics. Maybe I've, I can I've make got an a, offer. I've got a Florida Field poster, you know, from like '82 or '83. It's just incredible. That I, sounds. I'll awesome. get it to you. And I had a similar experience. I grew up in Dothan, Alabama. Mm-hmm. Both granddads went to Alabama. Mom went to Alabama. My uncle played on a Namus squad. I applied early, uh, got in, and then I visited Gainesville. Similar experience. Uh, I was with my buddy Jay Smith, and his older brother was president of the SA house there. And we walked into that house. Hey, Jack, Jay like, Smith? Yeah. Oh, cool. And uh, I was like, Jay, this is it, man. He's like, I know, man. And then the next day we went to the uh, Florida State-Florida game. You know, you had Dion on the field. Mm-hmm. You had Emmett on our side of the field. I mean, what year was that? Fourteen nine. Okay, yeah, oh, yeah. So this was ninety one, mm-hmm. and it was freaking fantastic. And uh, I applied and got denied. But tried again, took the ACT. Magic happened. I got in. It was awesome. Uh, but it's a great rivalry. It's a lot of fun in our community. Uh, and talking about traditions, it doesn't have to be here or there necessarily. But what do you think is one of the coolest traditions in college football? One of the co- coolest traditions in college football. Oh man, I, you can't go away with Osceola and Renegade. They got to be in your top five. Do they? Um, yes, yes. <laughs> you, you look from a Gator standpoint, you have to understand that. And I was also going to say with Mister Two Bits, with Two Bits, Four Bits, Six Bits, a dollar was not a thing until Mister Two Bits made it a thing. Yeah, that he one day just decided down in Gainesville, I'm going to create this cheer, and that is an incredible tradition. And it literally wasn't a thing. Until he started. I forgot his name. I used to know his name. I know he just passed away a few uh, years Edmund. ago. Um, What's his last name? That's a great tradition. Uh, the big house singing Hail to the Victors, hearing that. Um, Clemson, the way that uh, they roll the O into a cheer. Because when uh, Tiger Rag, Clemson wasn't allowed to cheer. Like, literally yell at their games. They're only allowed to a- applaud. And so somebody said, well, let's play Tiger Rag and then hold the O and then everybody can make noise during the O. And that's a tradition that many people don't know about, rubbing Howard's Rock. I think that's, right. that's fantastic. You know, um, the Ole Miss, they have Chucky Mullins' head mm-hmm. the statue there, remembering him and honoring him. I think that's awesome. Mississippi I'm, State, not a fan. I hate those. I was about to say, I, and Mississippi State would be on the low point with that with the Cowbells. It's various low. Annoying. And that's where our coach is from. Sorry, Dan. But uh, not, not a fan. No, I've, I've never – that's one time where Christopher Walken would say, hey – I don't need any more cowbell. <laughs> Just chill. That impression is money. Thank you. Nicely done. Can't do it again, though. I can only do it once a day. All right, so I follow you on social media. Mm-hmm. You do a lot of grill posting. Uh-huh. Tell me about this antiquated, badass-looking grill. Antiquated? It looks a little old. It's what is it? I'm not familiar with it. It was designed in the 1950s, so yeah, you are correct on that. It's called a portable... So it is antiquated. Yeah, it's called a portable kitchen grill. It's out of... Uh, now it's out of Little Rock, Arkansas. Cast aluminum grill. So mm-hmm. if you buy one, it's going to outlive you. So this these grills have literally been passed down now in like two generations. So who passed it to you? Nobody, I, nobody. Oh, you no! I, I went. I was it. researching. I'd been a gas grill guy my my entire grilling life, and I decided I wanted to switch over to charcoal. So I literally searched for a year to find you know researching the best charcoal grill. I took it serious, and a friend of mine, Ronnie Olson, said, "You need to get this PK grill." And PK, like, PK, yeah, right, portable right. kitchen is what it says. Okay, and I was like, "All right, I'll get the PK." And he's like, "And it's not a cheap little grill." And he goes, all right, now you need to get these grill grates to go on it. Another addition. 
and then he's like, okay, and you got to get this thermometer. And I was like, that, that thermometer is like 120 bucks. So now it's a hobby. Yeah. It's and not so cooking now, anymore. Now I'm in. <laughs> and then so uh, Ronnie, he just said, let me know how else I can spend your money. And then so, but it's been absolutely wonderful. It, what do you, what do you, what's your go-to to put in there? Steak. Ribeye? Yeah. No, 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 no. I do New York strips. I'm, I'm a big Costco prime guy. Okay. I, I, I go to Costco you know, once a week, go for the, the prime steaks or in the light blue packaging, find a good one. If you can find some uh, top sirloin, uh, you know, it's great. Every once in a while, they'll have the tomahawks out there, which I was scared to death the first time I did a tomahawk because you're right. buying a $70 piece of meat. Don't mess it up. You, you can't screw it. You got one no. shot. No, and then even with any of the prime, the primes are three steaks for 60 bucks. you know, so but now I'm used to it. I just cooked some last night. Perfect, medium rare. Yeah, I've been doing the dry aged. Um, yeah, I'm scared to do the, that from the Whole Foods meat counter, mm-hmm. which you know you're making an investment, and uh, yeah, you just go light. You know, you can't, you can always put it back on the grill. That's mm-hmm. what my dad always used to tell me. But once you, you know, you be careful. So I've enjoyed. I would highly recommend the dry aged cuts because basically. Oh, I thought you were doing dry aging. I would be scared no, 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 to no, death no, no, to do, I that. do yeah. that. The sealed room with no air with the salt floor. Mm-hmm. I don't have those facilities at my crib currently. No, I trust that to Whole Foods. Mm-hmm. All right, live music. Did I see something online where you said you saw Blues Traveler and it was just absolutely atrocious? Was that you? That was me. Okay. That was my worst concert ever. So we're going to go worst and best. Okay. So are you going to stick with Blues Traveler as yes. your worst concert? Yes. That particular night, yes, for Blues Traveler, they were off their game. John Popper had wanted no business to be in Tallahassee. He wanted to perform the gig and get the hell out of town. He chain smoked the entire time he was he was either singing or his back was to the audience chain smoking. That's brutal. And you could tell, and I went back up. It was at Floyd's and went around back up and on stage and watching. And just the way the band members were looking at each other. They were just having an off night. And I just happened to be there as well as several hundred other people. And But he just he didn't give a rat's ass about that concert. Yikes. Just, I'm going to perform, let's go. I think I'll throw out a worst also. I was on the road with uh, Everlast, mm-hmm. um, tour managing their opening act, Dexter Freebish. And Freebish went on, played a nice opening set. And the mix, pop rock and kind of rap rock, wasn't there. We knew that going in. This was the first show. And Everlast was not good, man. Not good. I, he had a hit on the radio back then. Yeah. Um, uh, what it's I'm got, singing in my head. What it's something. What, uh, walking in your shoes or something. Yeah. Anyway, that's I'm going with that for my worst. So best. What's the best show you've ever seen? I, I Maybe the f- First time I saw Journey with Arnel Panita, um, 2008, Chastain Park in Atlanta. And they were the finale for it. First, it went Cheap Trick, Heart, and then Journey with, Solid. Their, with their fourth lead singer, Greg Rowley was first, Steve Perry second, uh, Steve Aguilari, and then Arnel Panita. And I, I was going, I wanted to hear Surrender by Cheap Trick. What a cool song! And we you had ever to... watched Daryl's House? Yes, when they were on yes. that show with yeah. Daryl Hall from Hall and Oates. Really good, unbelievable, show. really good podcast. And uh, so we had to park way down. And if you've never been to Chastain Park in Atlanta, you have to walk it. up a mountain basically to get to this park. And one of the girls that we were with, she needed to rest. She just, she's like, I, I got to sit down. And Surrender came on Which from the beer, stage. Beer-fueled rest? Yes. We, I, uh, I'll just say this. We were hanging out with a, a big uh, 
executive from Budweiser, mm-hmm. and we were paying for nothing and getting a lot. So it was rest time. Mm-hmm. Understood. And so Surrender started being played by Cheap Trick before we could get into the venue, but it was echoing through this canyon, and it was just an amazing time. Got up, Ann and Nancy Wilson kicked butt, and then this, at the time, 40, 40-year-old Filipino leading journey got up there and had more energy than most 12-year-olds I know bouncing around the stage, nailing every song. And I was like, this is great. And also having the Budweiser rep right next door, the Budweiser executive right yeah. next to us, just, you know, every time, just six beers, six beers, you know. So it was it was a fantastic time. All right, before we close today, uh, my favorite concert, mm-hmm. I thought about it here for a minute. I was thinking Stones in the Swamp. That was pretty special Whew. in 99. But I got to go to childhood. Okay, so Motley Crue is blowing up the charts. Girls, Girls, Girls is number two. And White Snake and Motley Crue are coming through Albany, Georgia. That's the closest to my house in Dothan, Alabama. Okay. Uh, it's a school night. It's Wednesday. I'm in like sixth grade. I talk mom into letting my buddy's sister, uh, Quinn Borland's sister, Lisa, drive up to the Albany Civic. Drive Center. to the Albany Civic Center the day before White Snake bails on the tour. Uh, they went off to headline their own tour because they were huge. Still mm-hmm. the night. Here I go again. That mm-hmm. was all blowing up. Driving their green Jaguar around. Or their yeah. white Jaguar. Yes, beautiful car. Mm-hmm. So unknown band, Guns and Roses. No way. This is 1987. Appetite for Destruction didn't hit until 89. Mm-hmm. So they toured for a while before all that hit. But they were the new opening band. And we got in there to see their whole set. And it was just one of those shows like, what is that? It's So Easy was the opener. I think they still open with that song because I saw the reunion tour. Uh, recently anyway best concert all right as we close today we're in tallahassee florida we're lucky enough to live in a community that supports one another mm-hmm. that is always there for each other we've got sports we've got politics we've got it all but what's your favorite part about tallahassee i think you just nailed it i think that uh, i can go out and say somebody's in need of something a family an organization uh, just anything is in need of something I can make a few phone calls and call you. You can get on the phone and call people. And within a certain amount of hours, we can have something organized for people just wanting to help. Not wanting anything in return, but just wanting to help. Uh, I can go back to Hurricane Michael. Uh, my friends uh, in my, my second home, basically, Apalachicola, were struggling. And I reached out to uh, one of the owners of a restaurant there. The, the restaurant owners had set up in downtown Apalachicola and were cooking for the residents. And they're like, we're running out of food. Can you get us some food? We went up and organized uh, within three hours. We are up at Costco, and they allowed us to sit out front with the radio station van. And within two hours, that van was packed, another truck was packed, and we headed down to Apalachicola. That's what I love about this community. During that time, I saw you and I saw Tom with Val Stern mm-hmm. constantly just – doing what all of us wanted to do. And Tom just, lived over there, just basically. Just going over there, back and forth. We would load up supplies with one of our employees, who uh, his girlfriend, their family lived over there. We would just load them up with, you know, because at that point, you know, a few weeks in, months in, it's like, we don't want any more water. Mm-hmm. We need batteries. We need diapers. You know, that's when it really got real for me. Like, yeah. these people are literally struggling. Yeah. And, and it's with that, with Michael, with uh, one of the organizations I'm very proud to, to start was um, our co-start uh, was the Tallahassee Kickball Association. It's still going on, mm-hmm. and we got together and we wanted to do something fun in a way to give back to the community. So we started the Tallahassee Kickball Association, and every season there's three seasons in a in a year, 
And every season, we would pick a different local charity to give all the proceeds from that season to. That's awesome. And it started, I think, the first season, we gave $3,000 or something to a, a smaller charity. Something where $3,000 would make a huge splash in the pond and not just a little pebble going in. Now, I believe it's like the average is like 12000 per season to local charities. And it's just something I, I miss playing the game, but I'm old. And I miss, <laughs> we can't risk injury at our age. Can no, we? no, I, I just I hung it up. But it, it's just the amount of people that come out, not only play a children's game as adults, but knowing that they're giving back to the community. And then, you know, probably two hundred thousand dollars that organization is uh, given back. And it's just great. And just I, can, I could go. We could literally talk for hours about how much I I love this community and, and everybody that gives back business leaders just. Uh, you know, everybody, it's just, it just warms my heart. And that's why I'm, I'm proud to call Tallahassee my home, Tallahassee proud, man. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. All right, everybody. Thanks for joining us today. Next time we'll have County Commissioner Kristen Dozier as our guest. And remember, if your computers aren't working, give us a call. It's shameless plug time. And if you need to be entertained between six and nine, yeah, 93.3, Greg Tish, that's your guy. Thank you, Matt King and Level Up Media for producing today's episode. Have a great February. Look for us at the Treehouse Kids Shelter event later in the month. And give us a call. Thanks for checking out Biz and Tech.